On Easter morning, Mary arrived at her son's tomb, brokenhearted. After he had been wrongfully executed because of the combination of the actions and the apathy of people in positions of power, not unlike so many mothers who are crying at their son's gravesides today. As a pastor, it's my sacred honor to be with people and families upon the death of a loved one, both for the funeral, the memorial service, the graveside and the burial, and the days before and the days after, having participated in many funerals, including my own grandmother's two weeks ago, I can only imagine that Mary brought everything inside of her with her to her son's grave that day. She brought her grief and her pain She brought her anger and her disappointment, her loneliness and her awareness of all the unfulfilled hopes and dreams that she had for her son. Bearing the weight of the conflicted feelings of disappointment and an everlasting love that she had in her heart. A shattered heart, desperately wishing for a different outcome. There may not be any grief that compares to the grief of burying a child. Grief has a way of cutting through all the static and noise in this world and and bringing us to a point of raw clarity. There's some in here today who've buried a child or a parent or a grandparent or a spouse or a friend. Many here, maybe all of us, have known grief, pain. Maybe you even know it right now. If nothing else, we look at the state of the world or maybe the state of our own lives with heartache and disappointment and despair. So each and every one of us in our own lives, in our own way, we've come to the tomb. At the point where sin and death appear to have won. Some of us arrive here heartbroken, disillusioned, confused. We arrive hoping, longing, desperate for a different outcome. For a fresh start, a second chance in our relationships, in our families, with ourselves, 
in our careers, inside our own minds, or in the cold shadow of a past hurt or injustice. And we, like Mary, look inside the tomb. We look into the face of death and sin, of hatred and violence. We look into the depths of our disappointment and our despair, and we find it empty. Empty of life, empty of meaning, empty of power, that hurt or loss, that guilt or despair, disillusionment with the world that has become so much a part of our very own identity. We find it empty. I watched an interview this week with President Jimmy Carter. He was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and Colbert asked him about being such a nice guy as president, and and how did he deal with all of his enemies? And he said, I got rid of my enemies, and that that sounded threatening at first, but then he clarified, and he, he said, I just tried to either not pay attention to them, disregard them, or make friends out of my enemies. And then he said this, Jimmy Carter said, I've let go of those animosities that I used to cling so tightly to. And he gave credit to the gospel, the good news of the resurrection, the life that Jesus brought for him. Because Jimmy Carter discovered what Mary discovered, what we discover, that the tomb is empty. Death has been defeated by life. Hate has been defeated by love. The stone has been rolled away. The burial cloths that were meant to bind lay loose on the ground. The tomb is empty. Jesus appeared in that moment to Mary and asked about her tears. Mary, why are you crying? She didn't know it was him at first. We sometimes don't. It can be subtle. In the form of a gardener or a nurse or a neighbor or a friend. And in that moment, Mary heard Jesus speak her name. Like when you were in school and you were sitting in the classroom and it was one more day in class that would never end, and you realize then there were more of them to come, months of them to come, and there was that one time, you remember that one time when the lady in the office came over the intercom and called your name? Miss Taylor, please send Eric to the office to go home. And the world opened up in front of you, full of possibilities and opportunities. A new day had been born in that moment that you heard your name called. We discovered freedom. Much like when Mary heard Jesus say her name. 
When he spoke her name, it was stunning. It was jarring. It was reorienting. It was life-changing. I imagine what it felt like might have been like waking up from a good night's sleep. Do you remember the last time you had a good night's sleep? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it'll be one of these days of spring break. No alarm. Maybe some of you will be at the beach. And you sleep all night. And you wake up and you wonder for a minute what day it is. And you realize that you're rested. And you've got an amazing day ahead of you. Mary heard Jesus speak her name, and her response to him in that moment was Rabboni, which means teacher, which meant she was identifying him as the one who taught her the way, as the one that she would follow his teachings, his way, the one that she would give her life to. I'll follow you. Today we're celebrating here this morning with people who have heard Jesus call their name and have responded and said, I will follow you. And they come this morning to say, not only I'll follow Jesus, trust him with my life, but I want to follow him here as a part of this community of faith at Chapel Roswell. We're celebrating with people who today are coming and saying, I've heard Jesus call my name. Pamela. Derek and Jennifer, with Anna Claire and Caitlin, Mark and Vicki Sandiford, with Samantha and Jonathan, Jessica and Joe, with Katie Ann, Carson and Charlotte, Jeff and Marlena, with Clara. We do celebrate this day, those that are coming forward to become members of this body of Christ that we call Chapel Roswell. Now, there are no special membership privileges. It's not a ticket to heaven that you get this morning. But it's a way of saying that I believe in Jesus, that I want to follow him as part of this community, that I want to stand alongside those that are here, and that instead of just coming in to the room on Sunday and getting something out of it for ourselves, we are saying, I want to contribute back. I want to be a part of this movement. And so this morning, I ask all of you gathered here three questions. Do you reject the forces of evil and sin and wickedness in this world? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, crucified and resurrected? And will you be faithful to United Methodist Church here at Chapel Roswell through your prayers your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. I'm going to ask you all to turn and face all the smiling faces here. And I'm going to ask everyone gathered here in this room, will you do your best to support these who come on their journey of faith? If so, will you say, we will? Now, will you join me in welcoming these new members of Chapel Roswell?
We also have the joy of celebrating baptism this morning. So the Bootsons bring their son to receive the sacrament, the sign act of baptism. Baptism is a sign. It's a sign of God's grace at work in our lives. It's God's grace that claims us as children of God. It's God's grace that marks us as followers of Jesus. It's God's grace that incorporates us into the life of the church. And there'll come a moment, a time, when we'll get to celebrate with the Bootsons and their son when he makes a decision for himself to follow after Jesus. Today we celebrate his baptism much like the baptism of Jesus. When John was baptizing Jesus, it says that a dove descended from heaven, representing the Spirit of God, resting upon him. And then they heard a voice from heaven, the voice of God, saying, this is my child, who I love, and who I'm happy with. And so today, the Bootsons bring their son to receive that grace through baptism. All right, Jennifer, Nathan, you have already affirmed your faith before the church, but I ask you again, if you would reaffirm that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If so, say, we do. And I ask you, will you nurture your son in the life of the church so that your teaching and example will guide him to accept God's grace for himself and acknowledge his own faith and follow Jesus? If you will, say, we will. And to you, I'm going to ask you, much like Kristen did, on behalf of the Bootsons and their children, if you will surround them and encourage them in the journey of faith. If you will, say, we will. Let's pray a blessing over the water. Everlasting God, your mighty acts of salvation have been known, made known time and time again through water. From the moving of your spirit on the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in his baptism, the baptism of death and resurrection, and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water and this one who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What name have you given your child? Asher Levi. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know, buddy. Will you help me celebrate with the Bootsons? I'm going to ask if we could pray, pray a blessing for them and for everyone who's come forward today to respond to Jesus calling their names, to be a part of this family of faith at Chapel Roswell. God, would you bless 
everyone who stood before us today. Bless their journey of faith. Bless them as they call you teacher and Lord. Bless us as we go on this journey of faith together, that we would be who you created and called us to be. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. That really is a holy time and a sacred time in the life of the church when we get to celebrate with people who are becoming members and we get to celebrate the sacrament of baptism. We're actually going to do it again in a couple of weeks. Well, we're going to do it again in about an hour. And then we're going to do it in a couple of weeks for the people who couldn't be here on Easter. If that's something that you're interested in or you'd like to know more about what it means to be baptized or to be a member of the church, I want to encourage you to find our community curator, Jay Horton, get in touch with him. Or you can watch for our connection lunches. There'll be some coming up this summer that you can participate in, and we'll answer those questions for you there. Because maybe you've been staring into an empty tomb for long enough. You've been living in brokenness, pain, incomplete, overcome with what could have been or should have been or hasn't been. You may not even recognize it, but Jesus is here. And he's right there with you. The living Jesus has called your name. He's calling your name now. God's Son, by God's grace, is calling you to life. Full, whole, real life. Even in the darkest places and moments, dawn is breaking in your life, in our lives, in our world. And you hear the voice of Jesus calling your name. Today is the day for you. This is your resurrection day. This is my resurrection day. Mary heard Jesus call her name, and everything changed. It was a new day. And naturally, of course, she grabbed a hold of him. Yes, do that. If you hear Jesus calling your name, grab a hold of him. Grab a hold of his hand. It's the same hand that gave sight to blind eyes. It's the same hand that pulled Peter up out of the waves of the ocean. It's the same hand that wrote forgiveness in the sand for the woman who had been caught up in adultery. Yes, grab the hand of Jesus And when Mary grabbed a hold of him, Jesus said, I'm not done. So you have to let go of me. You have to let me go, even though it's our natural tendency when we experience the life-changing power and presence of Jesus to want to cling to him and grab a hold and stay right there. We want to keep our faith right where we've experienced it. We want to stay right here in the chapel where we've been moved by the presence of God. 
Jesus told Mary, you have to let go of me. And go. He told Mary to go. He tells us to go. You literally will have to go in a little bit. Because like I said, we're going to have some more people coming in here. But that wasn't the point. The point was ours is a faith on the move. Ours is a faith experienced. Ours is a faith shared. Jesus said, go and tell the others what you have seen, what you have experienced. By the way, for those among us or maybe in your circles who just don't believe in women preachers, the very first person to ever preach the resurrection, Mary. Here she is. And Jesus told her to go. Go and tell them. He didn't say go tell them. Okay, now here's the proper rules. And here's all the things you need to memorize. And here's your list of appropriate behaviors. And here's your, here's your to-dos and to-don'ts. And and here's how I want you to look, and here's how you should act, and here's how to be proper. Jesus told her to go tell her story. And it says she went and told the others, I've seen the Lord. (laughs) She told them about her experience. She told them about what God had done in her life. And it's the same for you and me. We go to tell that we have seen the Lord, what God has done in us. There are as many accounts and versions of experiencing the resurrection as there are people in this room, as there are people in this world. And yours is one of them. And it's a gift that God has given to you and to me. For us to share. To go and tell. To share our experience with the risen Savior with the world. There's a seed of faith. The image of the divine that's planted inside every one of us. Everyone throughout the world. And we have the opportunity by the power of our story of what God is doing in our lives to water that seed, to fertilize that seed so that it would blossom and grow so that God might bring the harvest. Now, I don't know about you, But my story is one that's awesome and weird. (laughs) Wonderful and a little bit disappointing. Which is why I really value the metaphor that my story is somehow the fertilizer (laughs) that that God will use in the lives of the people around me and around you to bring forth life. So we go 
and we tell our story of the resurrection, of the power of Jesus in our lives. So I want to ask you today, would you be willing to go from this place, having heard him call your name, having said, yes, I will follow you, teacher. I will make your way my way. And let your life, your living, your breathing, your day in and day out be your telling of the story of the resurrection into the lives of the people around you. And let God speak through you, speak life through you into death and into the dark places of our world. In fact, I want to ask you if we could make that our prayer today. Will you make that a prayer with me right now? We pray, oh God, that as we have heard Jesus, as we've heard the voice of resurrected life, Speak into the tomb of death, darkness, brokenness, despair, and speak life and speak our names. Oh God, as we hear the voice of Jesus, speak our names. Would you bring life in us, even right now, new life, full life, resurrected life, so that as we go from this place, our very living will be the telling of our story of what you have done. That you would bring life all around us, new life to our world, even more today. God, this is our prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.